Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about how to move from passion to purpose with Amy McLaren. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today because she wrote a book about how to do this, how to figure out what you're passionate about and tie it to being purposeful and intentional about your life. Now, as a listener of the Women in the Middle podcast, you know that this is something that comes up a lot for so many of us. You'd think that as older and wiser women, we would recognize what we're passionate about. The same goes for finding your purpose. But for so many, it's murky territory. (laughs) It can seem confusing and overwhelming and something that you're really worried about regretting if you don't sort it out already. I totally get it. So my guest today is Amy McLaren, and she's going to shed some light on this whole passion and purpose situation. So get ready. Amy has gone from being a grade one teacher to a passion-led entrepreneur who now owns multiple businesses and a nonprofit. She's a leader, a speaker, an entrepreneur, and an author. Amy's also a busy mom of two and splits her time between leading Lady Strength, a growing online community of driven entrepreneurial women, growing an Airbnb business, and being a hands-on CEO of Village Impact, the charity she and her husband, Stu McLaren, founded more than a decade ago. Village Impact partners with communities in rural Kenya to provide community-led access to quality education and entrepreneurship opportunities. To date, Village Impact has built 14 schools that deliver education to nearly 5,000 students daily. Now, Amy is also the author of a new book called Passion to Purpose, a seven-step journey to shed self-doubt, find inspiration, and change your life and the world for the better. Passion to Purpose is a hands-on guide to discovering your passion, living your purpose, and positively impacting the world. It was actually Amy's passion for world travel and education that kickstarted her journey from unfulfilled school teacher to running a global charity. And I can't wait for you to hear more about all of this. And don't worry, Amy's not suggesting that you do what she did. (laughs) You won't find a cookie cutter template to start a business or a nonprofit. Living a passion-fueled, purpose-driven life is about reconnecting or perhaps even connecting for the first time to your deepest passions. This is why I couldn't wait to introduce you to her. Amy walks you through the process of making this all happen for you too. Please also note that the net proceeds from all book sales will be donated to Village Impact for the construction of a girls' school in rural Kenya. So please enjoy this interview. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hey, it's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. 
I love your story. And when I heard you were doing a book about passion and purpose a, a year or two ago, I made a mental note that I needed to learn more. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's crazy. It's been like a journey. It was uh, like we were talking about this before we started the show. And this book was supposed to come out last year and then COVID hit and the world changed a little bit. Um, so it's definitely been a long journey to get here, but thankful to be here nevertheless. And here we are. So what yeah. I like to do at the beginning of an interview is just talk a little bit about your backstory and how you started out in one career and how mm -hmm. it evolved and morphed into what you're doing now. So just take us on a little journey about what's been going on with you. Yeah. So I'll start kind of when I was 10, because I think this has significance, but oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up, but I grew up in the UK at 10. I know I don't sound like it. I fully sound Canadian, but there are a few words. If you speak to me long enough, I think that come out sounding very British, but I, I grew up in the UK and I've always had this desire to um, give back and um, create experiences and, and help in some way. And I really can really attribute that to me growing up in the UK with my family where, you know, when you're in the UK, there are so many options to travel. Like you could go to Greece for the weekend or Italy. So like we travel a lot as a family, but we didn't just travel to resorts. We were always traveling, like volunteering as a family. I can count the times on my hand that how many times my mom would invite strangers into our home because they had nowhere to go. We were going to soup kitchens. And then at the same time, like, you know, my mom's hustling a side business, doing a cleaning business, and I'm cleaning with my parents on the weekend. So I think that hard work, but then also helping and giving back to others was a thread that was consistent throughout my childhood mm. that kind of led into my early 20s. Um, so in my early 20s, you know, I would go to high school, I went to university, and I didn't know what I wanted to apply for in university. I like I applied, I think it was for 12 different subjects, anything <laughs> from like nursing to sociology to geography to education. And I didn't know, but I knew that I wanted to, you know, go to university and experience that. So I went off to university, but in the summers, I was always traveling again. And I would go abroad. I would teach English as a second language. I would volunteer, always following that thread of, you know, that desire to give back and that desire to travel. So I followed that, those threads that I love, the passions that I love to do. And then it came time for um, doing my master's. And I knew Again, I didn't want to stay in Ontario because I just love traveling so much that I ended up in Australia. I completed my master's in Australia, did some more traveling around and volunteered at refugee camps. I, any chance I could get, basically I was traveling on a shoestring budget, working three jobs in Australia to be able to afford to <laughs> do what I wanted, but it was always about giving back. And it was always about experiencing cultures and, and learning from other cultures. One of my most favorite moments was working with a Thai or living with a Thai family in Thailand for six weeks and, you know, experiencing their every day. And, and I learned so much from them. I got a nickname. I was even, Nick I got a nickname <laughs> and I was called shampoo. <laughs> it was like this fruit, I guess. So, right. It's just like these great experiences that I had that then led to me obviously becoming a full-time grade one teacher. And here in Canada, as you know, like being a teacher is so well-respected compared to the U.S., um, I was making really good money. I had the pension. I had the benefits. And as you can imagine, my parents were very proud. You know, we started, we started this job. And then at that time, I got married. And it was, you know, I, I taught for 10 years. And that last five years was really hard for me because I enjoyed the kids. 
but I, I was starting to feel like that light that I had inside me, that passion for giving back and, and doing more wasn't being nourished in my teaching community. So I struggled for about five years of like, okay, this isn't it. I know there's something else, but I need to kind of figure it out. And like, I kind of have always done my whole life is I just looked back to the travel and I'll never forget one day Stu and I was sitting down watching Oprah's big give. And this is like to, and do you remember that show? Did you ever watch that show? Oh yeah. Right. And she, I mean, Oprah's a beautiful person inside and out who doesn't want to be Oprah, but we're sitting there and we're watching this show. And I said to my husband, I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to get back to being overseas. I want to get back to learning from other cultures. Like I want to help. And this was like December. So bear in mind when you're teaching, right? You only have Christmas off. You just have two weeks off. So I'm like, okay. He's like, so you want to do a fundraiser? I'm like, yes, I want to fundraise money and I want to take it somewhere else and, and make an impact that way. And he's like, you're crazy. And I'm like, well, you're the business guy. Like I basically were hustling. I was teaching during the day and then the evenings we were building another company and helping him with his business. So I'm like, you're the business guy figure out how to raise the money here. And then I'll, I'll, I'll sort out the details because I love organizing things. He was like, okay. And then in a nutshell, we managed to ask seven great friends that are still friends today to um, donate or to, to share their predictions for the upcoming year or for the next year and for in business for the online world. And they said they agreed and they came online. That time it was a teleseminar. Today it would be a webinar. They shared their experiences about what they think or what their thoughts were regarding the, you know, the upcoming year and people paid to listen to these seven influencers or the seven, you know, business masters that we had asked. So these and are I, people that were well-known. Yeah, very well-known. And the, and the crazy thing is these people are even more well-known today and they still contribute to help with our charity <laughs> and they're still great friends like 10 Aww. years later. But yeah, they basically came on, people paid. We raised $14,000 in like- wow. 24 hours. We took that money, not literally, but we took the money down to El Salvador. We helped a community there. And then that kind of from then applied for charitable status. And that kind of led to where it is today, which is Village Impact. And now we've built 14 schools. I have a little staff. Um, I spend when I can a lot of my time learning from our communities. And we're, um, yeah, a community led Canadian charity. But yeah, that's kind of a long-winded way of how I went very briefly from a yeah teacher for 10 years. But there was struggle in there. And I know maybe we'll talk about it a bit later, but like that struggle of identity, but then still following what really lit me up to get to where it was today. Thank you so much for sharing that because that mm -hmm. is exactly the next question I wanted to ask. Like when you were, I was also stuck for five years. So you hit that, yeah. I call it a funk. Uh, yeah. Mine was a midlife funk because mine was 45 to 50. You hit it earlier on into your career, uh, but it, it's so unsettling when you're no longer content and you know that your job looks amazing on paper and you were jazzed about your job for a long time, as was I. There was nothing wrong with the job. Hmm. It was just me in it. So I thought I'd been in mine too long because I'd been there when I was stuck. It was year uh, 14 or 15 to 19. Those were the years at my job that I just wasn't doing it for me anymore, but it's so uncomfortable. There's so much discomfort when you really feel stuck and that you just don't know what to do. So with that conversation with your husband, when you were just feeling stuck, 
and you had that epiphany to do a fundraiser. That was a breakthrough moment. And some people feel that they just can't get that inspiration to even have that light bulb go off. I often take people through exercises where we're looking to childhood about what lit you up back then, because it's highly likely that that's a clue to something related. So you always had travel to to rely on. That was like your trusted mm-hmm. clue. And yeah. where do you think that's what was inspiring you in that moment? It was like, what what am I missing? What am I missing? Do you think that was it? Because you did have your summers, you know. Yeah. With- yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's it's funny because I and I obviously became a teacher because I, I do love kids and I do love yeah. teaching and those light bulb moments for the little ones. But I mean, I won't, I'll be honest, it's part of me that, yeah, having the summers off and being able to fill that bucket for me of travel was really important. I think what cemented it for me was just that feeling um, of being stuck. And I, mm. I didn't like that, you know, we were having speaking opportunities come up for the charity or, you know, we we're having something to do in Kenya and, and I couldn't go. And it just tore at <sighs> my heart every time. And I'm like, you know, the board that I worked for was wonderful. When I started my charity, they were so supportive and they still are today. Um, but there's only so much, right, that they, they're allowed to do or that they can do. So they let me take some unpaid leaves at different vacation times to go to visit the schools in Kenya. But as that grew and as more opportunities came for different things that I wanted to pursue, I just felt more and more stuck in this like fabricated box of like what I was supposed to do. And um, yeah, it was hard. Like, it, like and, and it doesn't happen overnight. Like it was a lot of kind of sleepless nights and then little moments of like, oh, I, but I do like this. I, I think the way you described it is really important. And I know sometimes people just like, yeah, yeah, you're stuck. Come on. It's okay. You have a good job. But you really felt like you were boxed in. And I love how you just described that you had opportunities that you couldn't say yes to. And you noticed that you really wanted to. So you started to see by your reaction to what was happening on what was missing, what what you really wanted. And you leaned into it. You had the courage, and it is courageous, I think, <laughs> um, to lean into the unknown. Yeah. And I think, and that's a big um, kind of theme within my book is, you know, a passion mindset is a possibility mindset, because I truly think when you're you know, you're really passionate about something, whatever that may be, you start to see possibilities of what can be, you start to see possibilities of what could happen. And you kind of, you forget, you, you don't let those obstacles get in your way, because you're so excited about the possibility of what you can do, because you're so passionate about it, that you don't get stuck, or in your head, you're not stuck, because you're thinking about all these ideas. So I truly think with passion, it's so important to listen to that. And like you said, to go back and think of what those connections are and to follow those li- little steps. Because when you look at, the, we were talking about this earlier, when you look at the whole picture, you're absolutely right. That light bulb moment for me watching Oprah, which at the time would probably seem, well, everyone's watching Oprah or everybody, <laughs> right? But it's like, for me, it, it hit home and sparked something that I was thinking about, like dream, dreaming in the classroom about all the stuff I used to do. And then I had stopped doing it. Um, so I wanted to get back to that point or back to that spot. Oh, my God. I had the chance to see Oprah live once. Have you? No, no, I would love to. <laughs> oh, it was so great. It was at Radio City in New York, and it was an amazing opportunity. Me and five other 5,000 other women. It was so, so great. Oh, it really God. was very tingly, exciting moment. <laughs> well, wow. that was my that was the question I was going to ask you. Why are you so passionate about passion? 
And you're explaining it so well that it's kind of like, even in your voice and you're the way, like I'm looking at you on video right now, the way you're like, you're tingling, you're actually moving. Um, it's so exciting to be excited. Yeah, absolutely. Like I really like it. passion. It's just possibility. And when you're passionate about something, it's like that, you know, you're, it's this engagement with things that you love and you, it gets you excited and it gets you up a day, up every day. And you, you know, and it doesn't, it's not going to last like 24 seven all the time. And sometimes it is not going to feel exciting, but underneath it. And if you truly is something you're passionate about, it's, it's like, you could talk about it all day. And so for me, it's like, I could talk about the charity all day. I could talk about crazy travel experiences I've done and things I've got on my bucket list and things, you know, I'm always five vacations out or five, like (laughs) I want to do out. And my husband will be like, Amy, we've just got back. He's like, (laughs) And you're already thinking about the third thing you want to do or the next crazy adventure you want to have. But that's passion to me. It's like you don't, it's exciting and there's so many possibilities. And it really is. You you can think of what's possible when you're following that passion. Absolutely. And I just want to tie one thing together. So the charity is based in Kenya. Mm-hmm. But the story you told was El Salvador. So how did you end up yeah, for ending sure. so- to focus on Kenya? Yeah. So we, um, when I started the charity, we chose El Salvador because we had a friend there was the first thing. Um, and the second reason why I chose it was it was through a volunteer organization that I worked with in the past with the same community or same organization I did work with in Thailand. So I felt like I knew a good contact and someone that we could talk to and it was close. Like it was only a a shorter flight than what it would be to get over to the continent of Africa. Um, so we, Kenya's close. That's so funny. <laughs> no, no, like El, El Salvador is closer than what Kenya would be. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah. Given my, again, given my timeline restraints of being a teacher and only allowed to be, um, a certain time away, we felt that it would be better to go closer. So yeah, we went to El Salvador, we helped in El Salvador and then, but my husband and I have always had this, um, desire to be in Africa Um, and I didn't really mention this at the beginning, but I I do, I have a 10 year old daughter and I also have, um, a little guy who we adopted from South Africa and we've always, both of us, and it's so strange because we were both born in England, but we've both always had this like pull towards Africa in some shape or form. And there's no history, past family history or any connections in any, any way. We were just drawn to it. And so we went from El Salvador and then we did the fundraiser again that I mentioned we raised $40,000. We went over to Ghana. We stayed in a refugee camp um, and lived there and helped in a variety of different ways. But this is where it was another turning point for us as an organization and and for myself, because I felt like we were putting band-aids on everything and we weren't making sustainable change. Um, And the person we were working with I didn't fully trust and I, it, it wasn't good. So we went back to the drawing board after that Ghana trip. And then another contact reach out, reached out and connected me with a lovely lady in Kenya who we still work with to today. Um, her name's Irene. And we flew to uh, Kenya <laughs> the next year to start work in Kenya and build our first school. And that's where we really kind of felt good. Every, I mean, we've been there for over 10 years now. We've built wow. several schools. And this lovely lady, Irene, that I work with, she owns her own and she's Kenyan and owns her own NGO within Kenya. So we partner together Um, and she's I've traveled with her. She's become very close. Um, But the greatest thing about her is she will try to get the 
like the best deal that she can for a dollar. And she sends us back as an organization spreadsheets down to the penny of where donations have gone. Um, so she's kind of like when you find people that you can trust and work with as closely as I do with her, um, it's like winning the lottery. <laughs> like, so we've, yeah, we're great friends. And I mean, I learned a lot from her and that's a big thing with my nonprofit is, you know, we, we partner together to create change and we learn from each other. I'm not there to show anybody what to do. I'm there to, you know, help, but then learn from them and work together because I think as my husband says, and you know, with my husband, Stu, it's like, it's better together. We can create more change. We can have a bigger impact when we work together on projects than coming in and being opinionated about one thing. Like it's better together. We create more change and create more lasting change together. So that's how we ended up in Africa. Again, it wasn't overnight. It was trial and error of a couple of other countries. And a few years later, um, that's where, and we're not, we won't be going anywhere. We're quite, um, people often ask if we go, if we're going to go to other countries, then maybe in the future, but right now we, we're happy with what we have and what we're doing. <laughs> that's awesome. And I had a chance to, you know, I'm in your community. I'm in Stu's community, the membership community, um, tribe membership. And I'm in the Audience Builder Academy, which is, if I was wondering if you could explain a little bit, because I think it's a really creative way that you've extended your passion in a very concrete uh, yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. So um, thank you, first of all, for supporting us. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, so it, with our nonprofit, as many businesses over the last couple of years with COVID, it's been devastating, right? It's been horrible for a lot of people. And for our nonprofit, we were ra prime, we raised a lot of funds by speaking at stages. Now, I'm not. Um, my husband is way more confident than I am on stage. I am one of those people that are usually behind the scenes, moving the boat forward, like getting things done. So um, I do speak with him on stage, and I have to push myself out of my comfort zone. That I've seen you do that, and, and I'm always like, I, I could tell you're being so brave because he speaks in front of large audiences, and yeah, you do amazing. Was. You do amazing. No, thank you. No, but he he loves it. And I'm like, I do like it, but he that's his adrenaline. Like he, the bigger the stage, like the better. And the bigger the stage for me, I'm like, can I throw up five times? Because I don't <laughs> even want to like me on stage. But I do it because it spreads the word. And I also do it too for my daughter to see me push myself to do something that, you know, is hard for me. And uh, we primarily raise money through speaking on stages um, that way. So when COVID hit, obviously we're not speaking on stages anymore, right? Everyone's at home. We've been Zoom calling for like the last year and a half. Um, so we, we had to change. And we always had the idea of creating a membership site, partly because, well, my husband is so well known for membership sites and it, it's a great way to, to raise money or to make money for your business. So we always wanted to do it, but we never had the time. So it's kind of like one of those stories I'm sure many people have where COVID was um, as much as it's not been... Um, not been a blessing. It has been a blessing because it gave us the time to do what ABA, which is what you said, which is Audience Builder Academy. So in a nutshell, what we did is we're not speaking on stages anymore, although it's starting to pick up now in the fall again. But we wanted to create residual income coming in when we're not dependent on Stu and I going out to speak about the charity. Because that's been hard too on our family, on you know building other businesses and um, time and travel and all that. So yeah. Yeah. So we were like, we wanted to do this membership. So we launched Audience Builder Academy and it's a monthly membership where people um, contribute every month. And then we give, uh, we have a speaker come in every month that talks about how to grow your audience. So we've had speakers on 
how to grow your audience in Facebook. Um, we've got some coming down there on YouTube. Like there's different, different revenues to grow your email list and to grow your audience. Um, so we have several hundred members now, which I'm so excited about, but that brings in income for our charity. So now we have a residual income coming in every month. Um, and we want to continue to build that membership. So then it's not reliant on Stu and I speaking and we still will, but then it takes off the pressure as an organization (laughs) to, you know, fundraise that money, um, and go to these events. And we, we know now what's coming in every month and where we can allocate it for different projects we're working on. So I was blown away when it was first introduced because I, I, I heard the launch, the original launch, right. And And saw you, you know, <laughs> come on stage. And then once you started oh, no. talking, you totally came to life. But I could tell you were nervous. And I was cheering for you because I can't imagine speaking to that many people. But I just thought it was an amazing way to give back and to support your charity in such a, it's like such a solid foundation, mm-hmm. you know, well, we- and to give you the freedom to to be a mom and and to just do the things, all the things that are really important to you in a more uh, relaxed way, I think. Yeah. Oh no, it's, it's a game changer for us because I, we do really want to continue to grow that and provide value and, you know, take care of those members in the group. But I'm so thankful for it because it, it really does like, you know, Stu and I, um, I run the nonprofit and we have a little team and I have a team in Kenya, but our other companies actually contribute to to our organization to cover our overhead. So Sue and I volunteer our time and I do love it, but then we're also running a couple of other businesses that take time too. So it's like juggling running businesses and the nonprofit and being a mom, you know, it can be hard sometimes. So definitely this ABA program, the audience builder Academy that we've built um, is been amazing. And we, we want to continue to grow it. So like you said, it's, we're not dependent on Stu and I traveling somewhere speaking. Um, it's kind of like we can do that too and raise more money, but we'll have more flexibility to s- kind of say no if we have to, to say no to some things because, you know, our family is really important, obviously, to us and families first. And it's no fun being away from them all the time. That's not why I became a parent. So we bring them with us sometimes too. Like they, they've been to, you've seen them on stage, like yeah. to the stage, they're in and out lives that we do, um, different things, but yeah, it's definitely- your dog. The dogs have become so famous on zoom, haven't they? I, I know. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. What dogs Callie is. Yeah. She's all over the place, but that's so funny you know, part of growing a business, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm so excited about your book and I, uh, because all of the topics are relevant, um, to my community and things that we coach on, I would say every day. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about simple things that people can do to unlock their passion, because I hear this so many times. I work with amazing women, the women right now listening to the podcast, amazing. And so many people get stuck and it's like, I don't know what my passion is. They've been in jobs for 20, 30 years. They know there's more out there for them. That's the thought. I know there's more out there for me. I and and there's a backdrop of time sensitivity because of aging and all these myths about aging and what's not possible. So what are some simple things you can do to shake yourself up, to tap into that passion? Yeah. So you actually, it's funny because you touched a little bit on about it earlier on the interview, but what I, one thing I do suggest is, is going back in your past. So something you can do that's super easy is um, first of all, go somewhere inspiring to you, take a night out, go to a hotel by yourself, go 
rent an Airbnb that looks really cool and unique and just go by yourself. Don't go with anybody else. Oh, like, I love that. In a quiet spot. Like I, I, I love going to hotels by myself. <laughs> I and love like you that sit there idea. and it's just like quiet and you can think there's no interruptions, but take that time to, you know, find a spot by yourself and take out a piece of paper and draw a simple line and go up in 10 year increments and look back at what you did when you were 10, what you did when you were 20, what you did when you were 30 or 40 or 50. Like when I do that for myself and I go back, I mean, I, my, we were talking about this, my mom's, I'm staying at my mom's at the moment and I ran day camps for kids and my street and every Friday. And then I would, um, I asked my brother to record the camps with his big old VHS. Like I'm really aging myself now, but you, most of the women listening are probably around my age or a little older, older, but, probably you know, the, yeah, the VHS, yeah. like video camera. And, um, I asked him to record the thing. And then we kind of up, we upsold or like we said, Oh, if you would like a video, this is this cost. And like, <laughs> But now you look at what we do on online marketing and different things, the projects that we may offer. But I was that back then I was organizing experiences for people. And what, that's what I still love to do within my nonprofit and my other businesses. It's that passion of creating experiences with kids. Um, so that that's kind of been that common thread. And like what I said earlier, so take a moment to go back and like, you know, what did you do when you're 10? What did you do when you're 20 and 30 and 40 and 50? And I, and I don't think you know, some passions do change and that that's okay. Because like we said earlier, you don't know what you, you know, what you don't know. And you might all of a sudden find that you're diving into painting and you didn't know this world of painting existed where you could do all kinds of things. Right. And that's okay. It's, it's all about look. So, so to go back, do your timeline, look at common themes, pick one of those common themes or one thing that, you know, stirs a little bit inside you or you feel that feels good. And then sprinkle that into your life. Now, I think this is where a lot of women get stuck is they think I have to change my whole life. I need to start a nonprofit. I need to start a charity. I, I need to start a new business. I need to do all this. You don't have to do that. Like nobody starts by totally. And that would be a disaster. You don't want to change your whole life because your life, it, like your story is your story and you're meant to be living the life that you are but you can sprinkle things in it to make it a bit different that will lead that way. So pick one of those things that you've noticed on your timeline and start adding it into your life. Like even if it's five minutes a week of honoring that passion or that thing that you like, um, and then go from there. Maybe it's a class a week, maybe it's one thing a month, but it's consistency and being intentional about taking that one thing and doing it. Um, and it sounds so simple, but a lot of people, like you say, get stuck and think that they have to do this big thing. And it's like, you don't have to do a big yeah, thing to be did, fulfilled. No, you're right. It's like, it's like, it's too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that a lot of women in the middle talk about is it feels indulgent if it's not classically productive. Yeah. So that comes up so often that if they can't see exactly what good this will do, then it's not worth doing. Even reading a book. Well, I, I encourage women that, um, that, and I get it, like things like that, but it's like reframing it to where you're doing something for yourself. And I really believe that, you know, when you're in that moment of passion or when you're living a passionate life, you're bringing out the best version of yourself. And would you like to be the best version of yourself for your spouse? For your wife, for you know, for your kids, for your community, for your family, like 
everyone wants the best version of you. Like my kids don't want a crummy version of myself. And if I didn't get my travel trip in or my, you know, my yoga class or the things that I love to do, then I'm really crummy and I'm, I, I'm grumpy and I'm not, I'm not <laughs> the best version of myself and nobody wants to be like that. So you have to listen to that. And I think, you know, when you start to, you know, if it's reading a book or painting or even sitting on a bench, watching birds, like it, it's whatever is yours. And there's no, there's no right or wrong. And you know, what, what you're passionate about, like everyone's different, but you have to honor that, I think. And, and now because it, that's going to bring out the best version of you. And that's what we're here for. That's why, you know, that's why we live life. That's living life. Is to yeah, be- exactly. That's so good. And you talk a lot about um, leaving a legacy mm-hmm. and certainly you're doing that. You're creating a legacy. Can you talk a little bit more about legacy and passion? Yeah, for sure. So um, to me, it's funny. Legacy is, is a big word, right? And I, um, I really believe that legacy definitely isn't built over one day. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, putting your name on a building or a structure or having something named after you, don't get me wrong. It's phenomenal. Absolutely. But it's legacy is something that is built over time. It's, it's the little actions that we do every day that lead up to, um, that lead up to your legacy. You know, it's the simple things like, please. And thank you. (laughs) Like it's, it's like, it's like, you know, sharing moments or giving gifts or um, it's all these little things that lead up to your legacy. And that that's important to me. And I, and I think that gets lost sometimes because again, it's like that overwhelming of, Oh, legacy, it's this big thing. And I need lots of money or I need to do this. And it's just, it's not true because at the end of the day, there's that great quote where, you know, nobody, what is it that no one remembers? No, they always remember how you make them feel. Right? Yes. And, and it's like, you know, saying the please and thank you is like showing up for a friend or, you know, being there, being present and being in the moment and not being on your phone all the time. Or, you know, it's, it's that that's important. And it's those tiny little things that you do that add up. And I think for me, and when I bring it back to passion, it's like, I love the, the desire to give back and the traveling. So I follow these little crumbs and then I use those little bits of passion to do more good. So for our family, you know, we like to do super surprises or we give away travel experiences for friends or, you know, we intercorporate, not intercorporate. Is that even a word? I don't even know. <laughs> we love making up words. Uh, yeah. We, it's like threading what we love to do to do more good in the world. So for us and as a family, it's I mean, the charity we started, but it's also, you know, sharing travel experiences with friends. It's like taking my mom somewhere that she hasn't been before, but then it's also, it's not these big grand experiences. It can be, it can be little experiences too, and having those moments. Um, so it's really, and that's what my whole book and I hope to encourage women to do is like follow your passion and then use that to do more good in the world, whether that's helping a friend out or helping your community, or maybe it's a bigger vision you have for yourself. But I just always imagine how amazing the world will be. And the world is already phenomenal. But imagine how wonderful it would be if people just use what they were passionate about and used it to do little good, do more good in the world. You know, you don't have to do big things. It's just using what you love to do and shaping that into bettering someone's someone else's life or making them have another great day or oh it's so good. 
Well, another reason I was so attracted to your book, Passion to Purpose, is because of the way you organized it. And, you know, I love, I know you probably went through several um, iterations of figuring out the best way to organize the book, (laughs) Uh, but the seven, but there's seven, it's a seven step journey. Mm -hmm. And here are the seven areas, passion, possibility, personal fulfillment, navigating self-doubt, impact, community, and legacy. So we've spoken about a few of them, but I love that you put in there navigating self-doubt. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think we've all had self-doubt, right? And I, so, I mean, I, I have it today. Like I have every day is there's like self-doubt and stuff, but one of the biggest um, areas of times where I felt self-doubt um, and I talk about it in the book is, you know, adopting our little guy, Sam, we um, adopted Sam. I've always wanted to adopt again, one of those intuition or whatever you want to call it, where I felt like adoption, we wanted to adopt first before I had my own. And um, so our, our adoption journey and people like fall off their chair when I tell them and then probably never want to adopt again. (laughs) But um, like our adoption journey took eight years. And this journey of eight years was the most emotional roller coaster I've ever been on my whole life. But it's um, largely because the first organization we worked with was charged with fraud. And then we had to start over again. And then I turned 30 and then I wanted our own kids too. And I went, I, you know, you just don't know if you're going to get pregnant right away or what yeah. that looks like. So we had, thankfully had Marla pretty quickly. And then we picked up our file again and we continued the process. Um, but it, it took eight years from the day we started to the day that we flew to South Africa and um, welcomed Sam into our family. And during that time, you can imagine, I mean, you could probably imagine the stuff that I, people would say and, you know, out of the love of their hearts, but so, so many people were like, are you still doing that? (laughs) Oh Oh my goodness. Like they were almost embarrassed to ask. And I felt, and I'm like, you can ask about it. It's not like, yes, it sucks, but you know, I, I really, I really want to do it. But as the eight years grew on when we're about, you know, year six (laughs) and seven, and, you know, we went back in tears so many times to the agency and was like, I'm ready to give up. And they're like, no, don't give up. Like, we'll make it happen. And then we'd come back like, we're going to quit. And we'd go back again. And like, no, we just, it's almost there. And like, and there, I mean, I had people say, you know, why don't you just have another one of your own? Like, why don't you adopt domestically? But again, that wasn't me. Like international travel has always been my number one passion and continues to this day. And I'm like, that's not what I want to do. Like, I've always imagined myself as a multicultural family. Like that's just how I've seen myself from when I've been young, from young, when I was young. So all these people telling me, like, wow. oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't start again. I would, you know, are you still doing it? Like you're crazy. Maybe you should quit. You should have more of your own. So you can imagine those voices became really amplified over the time of like this self-doubt of like, am I? am I crazy? Like, maybe, maybe I am like, maybe this is like, not a good idea, but I, there was something that was like, no, like I can't quit. I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to quit. I want this to happen. It's going to happen. And like many tears, sleepless nights, um, especially towards the end um, of our journey. But there were three things that um, kind of kept me going. And I think, um, so out of those three things, the first things was like, monitoring what you're saying in your head um, because we're so um, so bad at that right we say these things in our head and half of them there's that stat or percentage where 
like 99% of the things you actually think don't come true or, and I don't know if that's the right number, but there's a large, there's a large things that we think about that often don't come true, but we we spend a lot of time worrying. We definitely love to worry. We worry about things that haven't even happened. (laughs) And it's like, why? So, So it's monitoring and like thinking about what you're saying and reframe, um, changing those patterns. So that would be the first thing is thinking about what you are saying to yourself and kind of working with that. But then the second thing would also be reframing those thoughts and changing those words in terms of like, you know, what will happen? Like, how can I, how can I rephrase this and and think differently or how, you know, just changing a few words, because when you change those habits that you keep or those same stories and you begin to ask different questions, your, your brain works in a different way, right? It's like you're going down another path or you're going down another yes. path and you're thinking about things maybe a little differently and not the same kind of thoughts that you've been telling yourself. Yeah. And it creates a whole different feeling state and, mm-hmm. and it's all optional. Like you can definitely tweak those thoughts. That's so good. Yeah. It's just, and oftentimes it's just one or two words, right. Of, of changing it. And then the third thing um, that has come up, not only in that story, but I've seen happen in the past is um, I think a lot of women do where, you know, are you, are you really worrying? um, How do I phrase this? Where is it your story you're worrying about or is it somebody else's? So Mm -hmm. I like to share the example of my lovely friend. She, um, she really wanted to come on this adventure trip. I do. So I do adventure trips for women to get them out of their comfort zone through a lady strength brand that I've created. And this particular trip, I mean, it was pretty risky, but I'm, this is what I love to do. I like we, it was driving a motorcycle across Morocco. You would get dropped off in, in the desert. And then you had seven days to get to Marrakesh on a 50 CC motorcycle. Now I've never driven a motorcycle. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's crazy, right? Well, you said, okay, this sounds really risky and really scary. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, yeah. So we, we basically were given these 50 CC motorcycles and they are like a kid's version of a motorcycle, right? They're like toys almost. And I had never driven a motorcycle. And it was, um, so we went through this adventure company and I added some things to it. And we, we were in the desert. Um, and this was like three years ago. And, uh, we, they drop us off and then they say, okay, we'll see you in seven days. Like we're in the middle of the desert. There was like nobody around. We'll see you in seven days in Marrakesh at a hotel at a Marrakesh at a hotel. I'm like, we're like, okay. So my two girlfriends and I ride across the Moroccan desert <laughs> trying to find places to stay. We stayed in hotels. People stayed, like it was crazy. Right. But my, my point is, okay. Just- my jaw is dropped. Like I can't even imagine <laughs> when you said they left you there and said, we'll see you in seven days. That's not the kind of trip I usually go for. It's like, oh, you'll no. you'll set up my tent for me. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I like those too, but I like those trips too. But I like for me, it's like, wow, I gotta figure this out, right? Like and, the amazing race. Yes. And I've done I did another thing where I drove down India on a rickshaw in a rickshaw for like 1200 kilometers, the same kind of thing. But I love this adventure <laughs> travel in myself, and this is my thing. And so I was like, you should come. I think you'd like it. And she's like, no, she's like, um. I, she's like, I really want to. And then she kind of went back and forth. And then she's like, no, I can't. And I'm, I'm like, well, how come? And she's like, well, my, my dad, like my dad says I can't go. And I'm like, okay, like get it, but don't get it. Like she's in her twenties. Um, and I admit it's a bit dangerous, but, um, uh, but my point of the story is like, we talked about it after when I got home, phenomenal trip, by the way, crazy stories that came from it, learned a lot about myself. 
and fell I off bet. the motorcycle at least 12 times and, and broke it many times. But we, um, we chatted when I got back to Canada and, um, and she she said, you know, I, I really wish I came with you. And I said, well, you know, why do you think you didn't? And, and it was, I think her dad, who is amazing and a lovely man, but he doesn't have, he doesn't like to travel and she does. So I can, I can see that she, she does like, it lets light her up a little bit, but he, I'm mean, obviously was scared for her safety, but then he it's, it's also his story playing out in her, if you know what I mean, like that. Yes. So it's like, you've got to be careful of like, are those other people's insecurities that you're living in or is it yours? Like, so, because sometimes, I mean, loving as parents can be, I mean, my parents included, they can, you know, put some things, thoughts and feelings into you that is actually their thoughts and feelings that came from their parents that probably came from their parents. Obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have to like, you have to listen to that inner energy or to your thoughts and like, and we work hard at getting those thoughts in there. We, we work hard (laughs) as parents. So definitely, but it's like, you know, it's just a quick example, but it's, it's it's just, you know, our, you know, are the things you're thinking to yourself are, are they your thoughts and feelings? Are you borrowing them from somebody else that you don't even, you know, if you were to take that off, like, what would it be different? Like, it's just really questioning, like, why you think that way or why. Absolutely. So did she have a regret? She did. And I think she, she did. And it's funny. We'll, uh, I'm sure in the future we will. She is, she is a bit, see, I, I mean, that was a bit extreme. I mean, the adventure of the motorcycle is. A bit I'm glad you admitted that because that, come it's on, not like, if it would have been, let's go for a two hour trip on a motorcycle. And then the guides are going to pick us up and take us to lunch. That's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So yes, it is a bit extreme. I, but I, yeah, I, I travel in all kinds of things like that. Like I love that, but then don't get me wrong. I love a four seasons hotel and a spa. Like that's all good too, you know? Um, but it's always, it's just thinking about those thoughts, I think, and paying attention to like, you know, are they just thoughts that have been passed down for me onto me? And, yeah, and no, that's a great example. And I think she probably will think about opportunities differently as a result of feeling, Mm -hmm. uh, conflicted and probably feeling regret. So I, I love those strategies and it's, it's really important. See, when you're in your twenties and you have regret, you have plenty of time to correct right? Mm -hmm. But when you get older, it's so common to feel that you're running out of time Mm -hmm. and you feel urgent about things, which is another reason to really honor yourself and prioritize embracing your passion and being more authentic and leaning into it rather than resisting it, even if it's scary. Yeah, for sure. Because I think it's, you know, that's for me, like, and again, my motorcycle is a bit extreme, but like when you, when you, but when you push yourself into these things or, you know, into something that, you know, it, you really learn about yourself. And I mean, I've learned, I like learning about myself and what I can and can't do. And it's like, I came off that trip or when I've done other things and I'm like, wow, like I thought X, Y, Z was hard, but I did this, like I can do anything. Like if I can handle that, why am I so afraid about going live? Like, but it's like, it helps, like it helps you kind of put things into perspective a little bit, but then, you know, just learn about yourself because even though we're not 20 anymore and I'm definitely not 20 anymore, I'm still in my heart. And it like still that 20 year old that, you know, likes to do all these things. And there's no reason why 
I can't like, absolutely. You know, that motorcycle thing is crazy, but you know, and my daughter, she was at school. Saying, she's like, Oh, my mom's just riding across Morocco on a motorcycle. But you know what? For me, it's like, <laughs> she, she's watching me do what I love to do. She's watching me live this passionate life. She's watching me do those things. And I'm showing her what's possible for her life. Um, you know, she's watching me do it. And I think that's so important for, and it's not just for, you know, me having younger kids. I think it's for older people. We never know who we're inspiring or who we're touching on or who we're absolutely to. You don't, yeah. You don't have to have a bit, a big business or a following to, to know that, you know, your actions matter and, and what you're doing in your life and how you're living your life can inspire so many people. Well, I even I'm thinking about your son seeing you do this sort of stuff. I mean, that is, <laughs> That is really important for all children to see strong women, you know? Yeah, for sure. Really, really good. Confidence. I think confidence in women is so important. And um, yeah, my daughter definitely has way more confidence than I did when I was 10. Oh, <laughs> but, I, but I'm happy for that. Some days I'm like, wow, I'm like, I'm a little scared because I'll admit as a mom, <laughs> thinking of her doing all the stuff that I've done and even that, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to have to like bite my tongue and just hold my breath or why I don't even know when she Oh, gets- it's hard to watch. I'll tell you the I, I, yeah. I, I remember the first time one of my kids went to Europe, like not on a special trip, but mm-hmm. where it was a less, it wasn't riding a motorcycle, but it was yeah. less supervised oh. than I was used to. And, you know, when we traveled, there was no internet, there was no cell phone. You had a card, you had to find a, like a pay card. Yes, you had to find yes, a, I remember <laughs> find a phone. Yeah. You might not hear from you know, I, when I went to Europe, I was 15. So that was like 1980 or yeah. 79 or 80. And, you know, my mom didn't hear from me for three weeks. Yeah. Unless you <laughs> could line up the whole payphone thing. And it's so different now. And I guess I realized that when my son was away, I'm like, wow, there's internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except now, right now I have a kid who's in, he's on a hiking trip in the Yukon and he's off the grid, right? Like right this minute. Oh, that's um, exciting. And I'm in the middle of the time where he's off the grid and yeah. I'm really proud of myself. I'm cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm awesome. okay. I'm not worried. Okay. It's very different transformation for me than when my first kid went to Europe and I realized, oh, internet, I don't have to freak quite as much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, even I know my daughter, um, she, we just got her a little app, like an Apple watch and mostly because it has the, that she can text and call our family. So we just put family on it. But even that, when we were traveling around these last six months, like we'll be on a ferry and she wandered off and uh, like to read by herself. And I'm like, okay, but I'm like, okay, she's got the watch. And she's like voice, like, cause it has walkie talkie. So she's like walkie talking me from like, I'm just reading this chapter, mom. I'm like, you don't have to give me the play by play of every chapter, but at least you're communicating. With me, I guess. Yeah. Communicating is good. That's for sure. <laughs> so in the nutshell, why is somebody going to love your book, Passion to Purpose? Yeah, for me, it's, you know, I, I wrote this book and I hope other women take it like this too, where, you know, oftentimes when we'd get off the stage of speaking, I'd have a lot of women come up and ask and men like, you know, how did you start your nonprofit or, or this, or they'd often say, I can't, I can't do that yet, or I can't do this. But the big, the biggest thing with my book is you, I, I just encourage women to follow their passion and, and to do more good with it. It doesn't have to be starting a nonprofit. Yes, I did that. And I love it. But you don't have to do that. You could join a board of directors. You could join an existing charity. And it's all about just, you know, living, 
finding what you're passionate about, reconnecting with it, because like we've said, I think oftentimes there are common threads, connect with that passion and just use it as a vehicle to do more good. Like I, you know, our, we're here for our purpose. And I really believe we can, our purpose is to make the world a better place and doing something you love. So doing something you're passionate about. And if anything, I just want, I just want women to, you know, take a step back and to look at their life and, and make sure they've sprinkled passion into it because, you know, passion without passion or a love or doing what you love, like life's empty. And it doesn't mm. have to mean starting a big, huge thing or changing your life completely. It's just, it's just five minutes of doing something that you love and then using that to love to it. A place for sure. Such a great message, Amy. So how can people find the book? Yeah. So if you go to passion to purpose book.com, you can see everything there. Um, and then Amy, obviously Amy McLaren.com. Um, you can find it there as well. And will it be on Amazon and every place? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's every place. So it's, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble target. Um, I'm so jealous. Cause I wish I, we had target in Canada. I know it's every time anymore. So I mean, <laughs> saying there's target, um, yeah, target, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, if you go to, passion and purpose book. We do have some cool bonuses that are associated with the book. Um, you can get, we've actually got African bookmarks made by a lot of the women in our community. So if you purchase five or more, there's some personalized bookmarks we're putting with it. Um, various other bonuses, but yeah. Oh, fun. Right. Yeah. Thank you. That's so. so great. Amy, I wish you the best with this book. It's awesome. I was so excited to talk to you about it. I love um, really the reframe of, of sprinkling passion mm-hmm. rather than the scary, overwhelming, oh my God, my whole life has to be this massive uh, effort of passion. So if it's sprinkled, it just seems like we love sprinkles. We can, we can yeah. sprinkle. Every, <laughs> everybody can sprinkle. There's no excuse. Like, absolutely. It's just, it's, you got to make it a priority and everybody has five minutes. Like of doing I, something. so true. <laughs> that is so true. Thank you so yeah. much. We'll talk You're to welcome. you soon. Thank you. All right, that's it for this episode. Isn't Amy's story great? I love how she was able to get really specific about noticing what wasn't connecting anymore for her with her teaching job. She wanted to give back in a different way. She was stuck for five years, just like me. (laughs) So often when you're stuck, leaning into change just seems so huge, scary, and overwhelming. Amy's approach to leaning into passion and purpose is so realistic. She leaned into the thread of what she's always been passionate about, which was travel and giving back. That's what it was for her. And then she started sprinkling it in. Amy believes that life is too short not to spend time doing what you love. And I totally know that you can relate to that. So many women in the middle push their passions to the side and don't make it a priority. But committing to your passion, like I said, sometimes it's just like too big, too scary, or you just can't even figure out what has always lit you up. It can be so confusing. So Amy says that it's not about changing your whole life, but it is about incorporating things that you love into your life. When you are truly doing something you're passionate about, it brings out the best version of yourself. So really think about that. It begs the question, Do you want to be the best version of yourself? We all say we do, (laughs) but when the rubber hits the road, do you actually commit to this by allowing yourself to become the best version of yourself? 
Are you ready to find those connections? Are you ready to tune into yourself and look for those, what she calls little sparks, the little clues? Are you ready to sprinkle your passion into your life more and more? Amy believes that a passion mindset is a possibility mindset. Do you? Play with this idea, my friend. It's a thought that's available to you if you want to think it. Okay, so as you know, my focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck about all kinds of stuff, about aging, empty nest, relationships, your career, and even about learning how to finally put yourself first. This is what regret-proofing your life is all about. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be, and I'm here to help. This is what you'll learn when you hire me as your coach. Learning the mindfulness concepts are one thing, but when it comes to applying those concepts, that's when you really benefit from coaching. So head over to www.talktosuzy.com and book a free call to see what program's a good fit for you and apply to work together. It's really a great time to get unstuck, get clear, and get excited about your life again. I mean, really, if not now, when? Okay, for show notes and links, head over to www.coachwithsusie.com. If you're feeling stuck, make sure to grab your free guide, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s at www.susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. And if you or your friend is turning 50, here is a great gift. Grab a copy of my new book, 50 Ways to Celebrate Life After 50. Check out Amazon or your favorite online bookseller. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.